your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 729 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And today, we're still kind of uh, basking in the uh, afterglow of the Rangers' 4-3 overtime win against the New Jersey Devils last night, the fourth win in a row for the New York Rangers. Uh, they win for the second time in a game that went past regulation, which had obviously been a problem for the Rangers earlier this season. They had been 1-5 in such games uh, before these last two games, once again being the Devils in overtime and also being the Avalanche in a shootout. But for today, you know, with that in mind, you know, yesterday was such a jam-packed episode, and there were so many things to talk about as it pertains to this game between the Rangers and the Devils. And so there's a couple of other things that I didn't really get a chance to get to, a couple of unsung heroes for the New York Rangers. I also want to talk about uh, how I thought the team hung in there, and I don't usually get too obsessed about things like this, but they kept it from turning into the Jack Hughes show, which it very nearly almost became uh, for the Devils. Obviously, tremendous young player, and uh, he almost pretty much uh, ran away with the game single-handedly for the Devils, but the Rangers prevented that from happening. And I also want to talk a little bit about Gerard Gallant, who I would have to believe if he ever was on the hot seat, which hot seat, maybe a little bit of a you know strong term, maybe it was a warm seat, or maybe who knows, maybe he actually would have been fired had the Rangers lost that game to the Blues. But regardless, I want to talk about Gallant, and I also want to talk about some other recent New York Ranger coaches, just kind of compare and contrast and kind of point out a pattern that's developed over the last uh, handful of Ranger coaches uh, that have presided over this team. Uh, But like I said, I want to start by talking a little bit more about that Rangers-Devils game, and specifically the Rangers uh, doing a nice job not letting this turn into the Jack Hughes show, because I think for us Ranger fans, and again, I usually don't get too concerned with like, oh, well, this guy was in this draft class with that guy, and this guy's been better than that guy, and this guy who was taken fourth is better than this guy who's been taken third, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, in a lot of ways, they're always going to be connected because uh, according to pretty much every scout, those two were the cream of the crop when it came uh, to the draft that season. And thus far, you know, Hughes does have better numbers than Capo Caco. But, you know, again, he, Hughes, that is, had a chance to really kind of put the devils on his back and lead them to a runaway win. And the Rangers were able to prevent that from happening. And as I just mentioned, it's not something they get caught up in too often. But the idea of Jack Hughes, you know, just going off in this game in Madison Square Garden, while a lot of the young Ranger players weren't necessarily having their best night, uh, that was not going to be a lot of fun, especially because you know the Devil fans would have been letting Ranger fans have it left and right. I mean, they haven't really had a whole lot to be excited about recently, and they're obviously off to a great start this season. So for a while, the only thing that they could really cling to was, well, Hughes has more points than Kako. You guys know the drill and how it goes there. Um, But, you know, again, the the Rangers did a nice job eventually shutting him down in this game, not letting him take uh, total control. Uh, He obviously scored that goal on a 2-on-1 where uh, he roofed a backhander, and uh, that put the Devils up by a score of 3-to-1. And 
Earlier in the game, he had been credited with an assist, and that kind of got overturned. You know, obviously, uh, they'll occasionally change the scoring on some goals. So it ended up just being a one-point night for Jack Hughes, and honestly, the way he's played this season, you almost sign up for that. If you're a fan of the Rangers or really any team uh, playing Jack Hughes at any point this season, and he had a chance to really kind of make his mark on this game when he got tripped up by Braden Schneider. You know, it was kind of a borderline penalty shot situation, as we discussed in our last episode, but they awarded Hughes with the penalty shot, and he goes wide left, and Igor Shesterkin pokes the puck away, makes an awesome save there. And something else that I noticed in this game, as it pertains to Hughes, once the game got into overtime, three-on-three, three, I thought Chris Kreider did a heck of a job. You know, Kreider, he can drive you a little crazy at times. I've heard from some of you guys that, you know, wish he would compete harder for pucks and all that stuff, and I get that. You know, I've mentioned things like that on this show as well, but he did a great job against Hughes in crunch time in the overtime period. Uh, you know, just kind of stayed with him the whole way, never really got uh, allowed him to get loose or anything like that. Uh, there was a situation where Hughes was trying to hold the puck in the Rangers' zone, and Kreider poked it away, and in so doing... You know, he didn't force a turnover, but he allowed the Rangers, two of the three players, to get off the ice for a much-needed uh, line change in that moment. And Hughes didn't really do a whole lot uh, after Igor Shesterkin made that save against him uh, on the penalty shot. And then, once again, instead of this becoming the Jack Hughes show in Madison Square Garden, the Ranger young players uh, really kind of took center stage after this. Uh, you know, Capo Caco, he gets the game-tying goal for the Rangers. And of course, as we just mentioned, Caco and Hughes always going to be linked uh, one way or the other. Uh, it's funny, though, because, you know, Devils fans, <laughs> I don't want to go on and on about this, but Devils fans, they always kind of have this really weird flex where they talk about how, oh, Hughes has been better than Caco. I mean, look, I'll admit it thus far, yes, he has. But they talk about it in a way where, like, you know, the Rangers could have drafted Jack Hughes, and instead they went with Capo Caco, and obviously that was not the case. The Devils had the first pick in the draft, and they took the guy who was the consensus number one uh, pick that season, the best player in the draft, in Jack Hughes, and the Rangers, you know, they were planning on taking either Caco or Hughes, whichever one the Devils did not take, and that's what they did. So uh, I don't really get that flex from Devils fans, but be that as it may, once again, really nice to see the Ranger kids assert themselves down the stretch in this game. Uh, once again, when Capo Caco scored that game-tying goal seven seconds after Trocek had tied it, he got assists from Heedle and Miller. You had Philip Heedle to Keandre Miller, Keandre Miller over to Capo Caco, and Caco scores some really nice passing on that play. All three of those guys I just mentioned are former first-round picks by the New York Rangers, all very young players. And the other two guys on the ice at that time were Braden Schneider and Alexi Lafreniere. So you've got five former first-round picks by the New York Rangers, giving this team a spark, giving this team a lift, and uh, you know stepping on the gas right after the Rangers had just cut the deficit to one goal. Uh, just storming up the ice and scoring seven seconds later, Capo Caco finishing the deal there. So nice to see all those young Ranger players, all those former first-rounders, really come through in a clutch spot for this team. I will say they got to work on their celebrations a little bit. We covered that in our last episode, too, where they were falling all over each other. I mean, it ended up being pretty funny. I, I was just hoping that nobody would get hurt. Doesn't look like anybody did, uh, so that's obviously a good thing. But then in the overtime, uh, once again, Miller and Heedle with big hands on the game-winning goal. You've got Keandre Miller uh, getting the secondary assist. Panarin leaves it for Philip Heedle. Philip Heedle takes care of the rest, ring it off the post and into uh, into the net, giving the Rangers the win. Uh, so Keandre Miller finishes this game with two assists. You know, he had struggled out of the starting blocks this season. He's been a little bit better recently. I still think Miller hasn't really reached that level that we saw him at last season, but uh, hopefully it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, you've got Philip Heedle with a goal and an assist 
including uh, the game winner in overtime, and of course the assist happening on the game tying goal uh, in the uh, in the second period. There, the third period was actually scoreless, and then Capo uh, Caco. As I just mentioned, he had the game-tying goal. So, again, really good stuff from some of the young players on the Rangers and kind of striking back there on a night where, I mean, that was going to be our worst nightmare. If the Devils had another blowout win in Madison Square Garden and it was Jack Hughes uh, leading the charge, that was not going to be a lot of fun for us Ranger fans. Uh, but I do want to uh, go ahead and uh, shout out a couple of the unsung heroes from this game uh, for the New York Rangers, a couple of guys who uh, played well in this game and have, have done you know fairly well for the most part this season as well. Uh, Going to identify three of those players in just a second. But first, got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball to hockey and World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we just want to go ahead and thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And like I said just a minute ago, I'm going to run through uh, three guys who I didn't really get to talk a whole lot about in our most recent episode where we were recapping this win against the Devils. Like I said, a lot happened in that game. There were a ton of different angles to, to cover and go over here together. But the three players that I'm looking at are Jimmy Vesey, Julian Gauthier, and Braden Schneider. I thought all three of them played well in this game. Uh, obviously, none of them stuffing the score sheet or anything like that, but solid nights for all three of these guys. Jimmy Vesey, I think overall, has had a good season for the Rangers uh, so far this year. And as I mentioned, I intended to point this out in our most recent episode, uh, but again, a lot to discuss. Uh, but it's funny because, you know, I looked at the YouTube comments a little bit earlier today, and there was a user named Mr. Pops Freshenmeyer which I believe is a random, obscure reference to The Simpsons, the episode where Homer has a bowling team and Mr. Burns hallucinates and sees Homer Simpson as the Pillsbury Doughboy. But I'll go ahead and reel everything back in here because I don't want to lose half the audience. But he just left a comment that very simply said VZ was great tonight. And I thought so too. VZ has really excelled kind of in like a Tyler Mott-esque role for the New York Rangers this season where, you know, great defensive forward, very good on the penalty kill, and somebody that's just kind of a pest. And even though he doesn't score that often, it feels like it could happen, I don't want to say at any moment, because it's not like he's out there, you know, producing high-danger scoring opportunities on every single shift, but you're just a smart player, somebody who knows his role and understands his role, and has really kind of adapted his game over the years in the NHL, and he almost scored shorthanded. You know, there was an opportunity, I believe it actually might have been Hughes, where the Rangers were really pressuring him, and then they eventually ended up stealing the puck. Uh, Jimmy Vesey specifically stole the puck, got an opportunity right in from the doorstep, was not able to capitalize. Uh, but Jimmy Vesey has really been a standout on the penalty kill thus far for the Rangers this season. And, you know, again, it's if, if you're expecting the guy that won the Hobie Baker Award and that kind of production, those kinds of offensive numbers, then you're going to be disappointed as it pertains to Jimmy Vesey. But if you're expecting somebody who's going to uh, give you a nice return on the investment that the Rangers made in him at the start of the season, that being uh, a league minimum $750,000 on a one-year contract, then I think you're going to be feeling pretty good, uh, Jimmy Vesey. 
Uh, fairly valuable player for this Ranger team. As I've discussed in the past, I don't know that he should be on the top line or even the top six. They've had a, had him down on the third line uh, with Kreider and with Trocek recently, and that's probably a better role for him. You know, somewhere in the bottom six, maybe even the, the fourth line, depending on, you know, what, what's going on and which line combinations are working and who's in the lineup and who's out of the lineup and all that good stuff. Um, but Jimmy Vizia, again, has played very well this season. And like I just mentioned, kind of playing a little bit of a Tyler Mott-esque role uh, for the New York Rangers this season. I would imagine most Ranger fans, you know, again, I know there's a lot of people that don't want him in the top six, but I think for the most part, looking at VZ has played fairly well this season. You got to like what you're getting, especially from somebody uh, making the league minimum. Uh, somebody else I want to toss out there, really just for one stat, but it's a stat that was noticeable during the game, is Julian Gauthier. You know, Gauthier shows these flashes every now and then. He had a hot stretch for about three games earlier this season where he scored a couple of goals, and, you know, you start to become hopeful that maybe he's going to put it all together, maybe he's going to figure it out. Uh, maybe, maybe not. You know, at this point with Gauthier, I know he's a former first-round pick by the Hurricanes. I think at this point I would sign up, and probably a lot of Ranger fans as well would sign up for him just developing into, like, a steady, kind of, like, average third-line type player. If the Rangers could ever get that kind of production from Julian Gauthier, I think you would have to take it. But the one stat that really stood out from him in this game is the fact that he led the New York Rangers with five hits, despite playing just eight minutes and 45 seconds. So Gauthier, you know, somebody who I don't think has really been known for tremendous physicality, but he's shown a little bit more of it the longer that he's been on the New York Rangers. And again, five hits in just 8.45, that was the second least amount of ice time by any New York Ranger, only to Sammy Blay. So look, this is uh, an intense game. Rangers, Devils, um, you know, the physicality is there. And, and you know, obviously emotions are going to run high. We saw some chippiness. And for Julian Gauthier to be in his element and kind of adapt a little bit to be able to play a four-flying style game, uh, that's very impressive. And, you know, I liked what I saw a little bit from Julian Gauthier, was dishing out some pretty good hits. And let me just backtrack to Jimmy Vesey for one second. He was actually, the other thing he did in this game, he was involved in uh, some extracurriculars here. I got to look it up to see who it was. Yeah, Damon Severson. They had matching minors in the first period, but uh, this is when, you know, the, the Rangers, they, they just couldn't get out of first gear, really. You know, the first period, they just weren't playing very well. The first half of the first period took them about 12 minutes to get their first shot in the goal. This is like right after the Rangers got their first shot on goal, 13-39 into the first period to be exact. And VZ and Severson, they were kind of tangled up in the corner, and, and they're kind of wrestling with each other. Uh, Severson ends up getting a slashing penalty. Jimmy VZ gets a roughing penalty, but, you know, VZ had Severson in the headlock, and, and you know, they, they were kind of just scrapping back and forth. And there might have been a method uh, to the madness here if you're Jimmy VZ, you know, trying to wake your team up, trying to get them going a little bit. Just try to do anything to give them a little life, give them a little bit of a spark. So props to VZ for that as well. And then uh, Brayden Schneider... You know, he just, it's more than just this game against the Devils. He's just been impressing me, period. And I, I think he's probably been impressing a lot of Ranger fans as well. But Brayden Schneider ends up with four hits in this game, uh, 17.50 as far as ice time is concerned, which was actually less than a minute behind Jacob Truba. So Brayden Schneider really seeing his ice time increase, um, you know, as the season progresses here and probably even compared to last season as well without checking the stats real quick here. Um, but yeah, Vizi, I mean, yeah, Vizi again. Schneider has really done a nice job for this Ranger team this season, adding some offense to his game as well. Uh, we talked about in our last episode how he had scored four goals in a 10-game stretch, and that's a pretty solid 
you know, stretch almost no matter who you are. And the fact that this guy has mostly been uh, a third pairing defenseman for you, yeah, you'll take that any day of the week. Could have been five goals. Of course, one of them was overturned. But Brian Schneider, man, just looking like he belongs, looking like he's going to be the next really good Ranger uh, defenseman to come through the system and develop with this team. And that's something else, like as a quick aside, that it's really interesting to think of as a Ranger fan because the Rangers at times have really kind of struggled to develop their forwards. And of course, there's some guys on the team right now who, you know, the book is still out. We've seen some flashes from Lafreniere and from Kako and from Hedl and, uh, you know, guys like that. You can maybe even throw Gautier in there, even though Gautier wasn't drafted by the Rangers and Kravtsov. Um, But though they struggle at times, it would seem to develop their forwards. The Rangers seem to have a knack for developing their defensemen. You know, you can look at the current roster for proof of that. You've got Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren for starters. Now, I realize Fox and Lindgren, neither of them were drafted by the New York Rangers, but the Rangers traded for both of those players, and they both made their NHL debut with the New York Rangers, and that's as good of a top pairing as there is in hockey. You'll never convince me otherwise. Uh, you can also look at somebody like Keandre Miller, who, you know, a little bit of a slow start this season, but he was looking like an emerging superstar last year. I, I think he will eventually get back to that level. And uh, now Braden Schneider, and you can even go back to the previous era, guys like, uh, you know, Dan Girardi, Ryan McDonough, uh, Stahl, you know, everybody that's a defenseman and comes through the Ranger system seems to, uh, you know, develop pretty nicely for this team. So something to keep your eye on, but it looks like Braden Schneider is just the long, the, the latest, excuse me, in a long list of Ranger defensemen to come through the system and uh, become, you know, really solid to excellent players in this league. So it's very, very exciting to see. And uh, one of my favorite players on the team to watch right now, just watching him get better and better as the games go by here, uh, Braden Schneider. It is a luxury having somebody like Braden Schneider, who's already performing at the level that he is, having him mostly play on the third pairing. And I know there's times where, you know, they've flip-flopped him in Truba recently, and understandably so, uh, given the fact that Truba has struggled at times this season. But man, I mean, this is a guy that coming into the season was your fifth defenseman, and he's having a, a really nice start uh, to the season and just to his NHL career in general, and uh, continuing this trend of the Rangers really doing a nice job developing their young defensemen. So in just a second, we're going to keep rolling here. I want to talk about uh, Gerard Gallant. And kind of compare and contrast him to a handful of other recent New York Ranger coaches and kind of mention a little bit of a trend that I've picked up on. It's a mini call out of a certain section of New York Ranger fans. I'm not going to be too mean or anything like that, but uh, there's a pattern that I have definitely noticed among certain New York Ranger fans, namely those who want Gerard Gallant to be fired. So we're going to talk about all that in just a second. Okay, so Gerard Gallant, obviously, Rangers got off to a less than ideal start this season. There were times where the effort seemed to be lacking, uh, the execution was lacking, turnovers left and right, bad penalties, just uninspired hockey in general. And, you know, a lot of Ranger fans, as soon as things started to turn a little bit south, everybody wanted the team to fire Gerard Gallant, and in a lot of cases, uh, hire Barry Trotz. So we're going to talk about all that. Uh, Gerard Gallant... 36th head coach in New York Ranger history, for those of you that are keeping score at home. Uh, but his regular season record with the Rangers uh, after the game last night now stands at 67 wins, 34 losses, and 11 overtime losses. That's regular season only. That does not include his 10-10 and run in the playoffs last year. Even if you want to combine the regulation losses with the overtime losses, Gallant is 67 and 45 as head coach of this team. Now, does that sound like somebody 
that deserves to be unemployed? You know, really ask yourself that. And I'll be the first one to admit, I, I get where certain frustration from certain fans comes from when it comes to Gerard Gallant, because, you know, there, there's times where he'll make some lineup decisions that really make me scratch my head. I mean, you know, having Krasoff out of the lineup, I'd like to see uh, him get another chance. I realize right now the Rangers are winning, so a change doesn't really seem to be imminent, although I would think sooner or later they'll eventually toss him back out there. I know that at times certain things that can frustrate Ranger fans include, you know, an unwillingness to put Lafreniere and Kako in prominent roles, but he's done a little bit more of that recently. I know at times, and I even called for this too, uh, he never really ever seems to want to shake up the top power play unit, no matter what is happening, no matter uh, how cold they've been recently. And of course, the Ranger power play unit is starting to come out of their slump a little bit now. But it seems like no matter what happens, the Rangers are going to go with the same five players on that top unit this season, no matter what happens. And I get that there's some frustration there. Some people want to see Lafreniere. They want to see Katko. They want to see Hedl get more opportunities on the power play specifically playing them on the first unit. But the question I pose to those fans is, okay, well, who do you want to take off of the top power play unit then? And I think the only answer that would really make any sense might be Trocek. The other four, I mean, they've all established themselves as just absolute weapons on the power play. We saw how deadly this Ranger power play was last season and starting to pick it up again this season. So uh, right now, there just doesn't seem to be enough room for the kids on the top power play unit. And you know, certain fans will get upset if the fourth line gets an offensive zone face-off at a certain point in the third period, if the Rangers are down by a goal, and I get that too. He's not perfect. There's things that I've uh, come on here and discussed as it pertains to Gerard Gallant where I wish he would do this or I wish he would do that, but I do think he is a good coach. And for everybody that's demanding for Gerard Gallant to be fired, and, you know, they, they've quieted down recently for obvious reasons. The Rangers have won four in a row here and looked mostly good doing it. But for the fans that do not think Gallant is the right guy for this job and that they don't think that he meshes well with the current Ranger personnel, whatever the reason might be, maybe you're just a big Barry Trotz fan, what exactly will make you happy? Okay, because as I mentioned not too long ago, the dislike that Gerard Gallant is getting from certain fans, this is a trend and it's been going on a long time since Gerard Gallant ever got here because I would bet anything that a lot of the Ranger fans that are calling for Gallant to be fired or who were calling for Gallant to be fired before this current four-game winning streak, they're probably a lot of the same fans that weren't really uh, the biggest uh, David Quinn supporters either, you know? I, I would imagine that a lot of the same people that want Quinn or want Gallant canned, same thing with David Quinn, could not wait to get rid of him. This guy's in over his head. He doesn't know how to coach at the NHL. He's a college coach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of those fans that turned their backs on Gallant about 10 games into the season, thanks to a lackluster start, probably were the same ones uh, wanting David Quinn out of here the second that, you know, the Rangers didn't win the Stanley Cup in his first season as the head coach. And you know, apparently a lot of these fans forget the fact that the Rangers were in the Eastern Conference Final last season, that the Rangers came back from three games to one against the Penguins, that the Rangers uh, came back from 2-0 against the Carolina Hurricanes, that the Rangers gave the Tampa Bay Lightning everything that they could possibly handle. And now it's like, you know, certain fans, they want Gallant gone just because the Rangers didn't start the season 9-1. and or they want Gallant gone because, well, these two players don't have as many points as I would like them to have. Or these two players or these three players aren't playing on the right lines with the right line partners on the right power play unit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So 
You know, I mean, you talk about being trigger happy. Gallant presided over a heck of a Rangers season last year, a heck of a run, uh, a team that, quote unquote, was ahead of schedule. And you want to now run him out of town just on the off chance that you might be able to sign or to hire Barry Trotz. And it doesn't stop there either. We can go back a lot further than Gerard Gallant and David Quinn because I would also bet that a lot of the people who do not like Gallant, who did not like David Quinn, they probably weren't the biggest fans of Elaine Vigneault either, were they? You know, certain Ranger fans are just never happy. Elaine Vigneault with the New York Rangers went 226, 147, and 37 as the head coach. And again, if you want to combine all the losses, the regulation losses with the overtime losses, that's still a regular season record of 226 and 174. Elaine Vigneault, the guy who led the Rangers to a President's Trophy in 2015, the guy who uh, had the Rangers in back-to-back conference finals, For the first time, you will not even believe this when I tell you, since the 1938-1939 season and the 1939-1940 season. And of course, the Rangers won the Cup in 1940, and the playoffs were a heck of a lot different. The first round of the playoffs was the semifinals. So it had been a really long time before any head coach uh, had been able to lead the Rangers to -to back-to-back appearances in the conference finals or the semifinals or the final four or whatever you want to call it. Uh, And also under Elaine Vigneault, a couple of uh, really impressive playoff comebacks. And, you know, we could say, well, the players did that. Hey, he's still the coach. He's still got to push the right buttons. They were down three games to one to the Penguins, came back and won that series. They were down three games to one to the Washington Capitals, came back and won that series as well. Now, for the record, when the Rangers entered the rebuild phase, the rebuild era, whatever you want to call it, I did feel at that time like it was probably time to move on from Elaine Vigneault. The Rangers were going in a different direction. It was time to get some new blood in there, uh, a new voice for the players that were going to stay through the rebuild, and uh, somebody that would seemingly specialize with a young, uh, or would excel rather, with a group of young players, because that's what David Quinn's calling card was uh, supposed to be, and obviously very mixed results for David Quinn. And I think it was fine for the Rangers to move on from AV at that point in time, given everything that was happening with the rebuild and the organization. But again, three straight coaches where I get the feeling a lot of Ranger fans were not happy with any of them and were not content with any of them and always wanted the Rangers to fire them and move in a different direction. Let's keep going, though, shall we? Let's go back to before AV. You go to John Tortorella. Torts went 171-115-29 and 29 as head coach of the New York Rangers. Or once again, if we combine the losses, uh, 171-114. and 44. I bet a lot of these same fans that, again, don't like Gallant, did not like Quinn, did not like AV. I bet a lot of those same fans were getting pretty tired of John Tortorella at that point as well. And to be fair, you know, Torres can kind of wear you out a little bit. Um, It feels like he's not a coach that's ever destined to be with one team for all that long, although he was with the Blue Jackets for a decent amount of time, had at least some success there, which no one previously had been able to do. But, you know, Tortorella, in his three full seasons as head coach of the New York Rangers, he had the team in the playoffs every single season, including an Eastern Conference final appearance against the Devils in 2011-2012. The Rangers also had the best record in the Eastern Conference that season. But hey, you know what? John Tortorella, he had to be hired by the Rangers because the Rangers, according to most of these same fans, they had to fire Tom Rennie to make room for John Tortorella because Tom Rennie wasn't good enough either, right? Tom Rennie, was not perfect. I don't know if he was a coach that was ever going to like lead the Rangers to the Stanley Cup or anything like that. But we basically fired Tom Rennie to make room for John Tortorella. And Tom Rennie didn't do so bad as Ranger coach either. You know, he took a team in his first season there 
that was picked by many to be the absolute worst team in the NHL that season, and he led them to the playoffs. Now, they lost in the first round. They actually got swept by the Devils, but they still overachieved relative to what the expectations were uh, that season. The two seasons that followed, Rennie had this same Ranger team in the second round of the playoffs. Again, it's not like, you know, they went to Game 7 in overtime with the Stanley Cup final and, you know, just couldn't quite pull it out. I get that, and I get that Ranger fans eventually want to win championships, and if it's not going to happen under a certain coach, then, you know, sooner or later you do have to make a change. But the theme here remains the same. It's that the grass is always greener for certain fans. They're, they're never happy with whoever is coaching the Ranger team, no matter, you know, how well they're doing, how poorly they're doing, how many deep playoff runs they're making, how close they're getting to winning a Stanley Cup championship. I mean, I just named five consecutive Ranger coaches and just kind of put a bow on this with Rennie. I mean, yeah, he wasn't a spectacular Ranger coach as far as, you know, a ton of really, really deep playoff runs, but... He led them out of some dark times, man. The Rangers had missed the playoffs in seven consecutive seasons before Rennie took over. And so now, let, let me bring everything full circle here and, and apologize if I'm a little bit skeptical that these same Ranger fans who did not like any of these five most recent Ranger coaches that I just mentioned, if these same Ranger fans are not going to be happy with Barry Trotz. Forgive me if I'm skeptical that Barry Trotz is going to make everybody content, make everybody happy, and okay, this guy's going to spearhead us to the Stanley Cup championship. I'm finally happy with who the Rangers have as their head coach as long as it's Barry Trotz. You get the feeling, some of these fans, man, if if they actually made a coaching change this season, which I really hope does not happen, and I certainly don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, given the recent four-game winning streak, but if it does happen, you get the feeling a lot of these Ranger fans the ones calling for Galant's head, the ones that were calling for the head of everybody else that I just mentioned, uh, if the Rangers start 1-2 and two in Trotz's first three games, then they're going to be off the bandwagon and they're going to want him fired and, you know, hire Mark Messier to be the head coach or, you know, maybe Tortorella will be hired by the, or be fired by the Flyers. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Fired by the Flyers and then the Rangers can rehire him. There are certain fans that are never happy no matter who is coaching this New York Ranger team. And as far as Barry Trotz is concerned, Look, excellent coach, Stanley Cup winning coach. He knows more about hockey than I will ever know. But I don't think that his coaching style would necessarily mesh all that great with this New York Ranger team because, you know, Barry Trotz teams, they are very defensively responsible, which is good, but it's also very low event hockey. There's just not a lot happening uh, in games where a team is coached by Barry Trotz. You know, he coached the Islanders for a couple of years there. I mean, those games were so boring. And listen, if the Rangers were to win under Barry Trotz, I don't think any of us will care if it's boring or exciting or whatever. But Barry Trotz's style, if you want to see Capo Caco take that next step and see Alexi Lafreniere take that next step, Barry Trotz is not the coach to do it. That style just doesn't work. Uh, do you want, you know, somebody like Artemi Panarin to be handcuffed by this defensive uh, style where, you know, you're not really looking to do anything all that fancy, anything all that special. You want to turn the game into a 60-minute board battle with guys like Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad and Adam Fox on the roster. It, it, to me, it's just not really a fit. And again, Barry, Barry Trotz, excuse me, is a fantastic coach. But yeah, I just don't see that as, as being an ideal fit with the New York Rangers. I think Gerard Gallant, based on what happened last season and based on the way that they've seemingly started to turn things around here, he deserves a little bit more rope than a lot of Ranger fans were willing to give him. And the grass is not always greener when it comes to your head coach. And for a lot of Ranger fans, I think over the last, I mean, geez, how many years is that? Like 20 years? Over the last 20 years, whoever the Ranger head coach is, there's always somebody better. There's always somebody that 
should take his job and we should fire this guy in the middle of the season and put this guy in and then we'll win the Stanley Cup. It's not always the case and obviously it hasn't worked yet. Uh, maybe Gerard Glant can be that guy to buck that trend and eventually lead the Rangers to a championship if he's afforded the chance to do that. Uh, so anyway, rant over. Uh, I figured we could pretty much wrap up there for today. Uh, once again, if you guys would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, this is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.